0: Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. It is, yeah, thirst quencher. Anyone thirsty? It is Pentecost Sunday, but it's also Memorial Day weekend. So I'd start with a question, a Memorial Day themed question. The question is this, what is one way that you like to celebrate Memorial Day? Don't all be quiet. I'm sure silence is not part of your celebration. Remembrance. Remembrance, yeah. I mean, that's part of that day. I mean, the day originally was established that we would remember those who had served and those who had given their life so that we can maintain our freedoms. And so for a number of folks, part of the tradition, the celebration, is to go to the graveside of loved ones or to you know, war memorials and just to reflect and to honor those who have served and who have sacrificed. What else do you like to do on Memorial Day weekend? Swim. Swim. Yeah, you know, usually it's kind of warm this time of the year. Going for a swim and going out to the lake. You know, maybe gathering a family. You know, there's thinned out crowds here a little bit, because some folks have traveled somewheres for the weekend, a lot of graduations this weekend. You guys have, you like, just have nothing planned, do you? Riding motorcycles, Tim says. Anybody going to cook some food? It's kind of the official kickoff to summer. How many of you plan to maybe grill some burgers or hot dogs? You know, maybe smoke some food? I'm smoking baby back ribs today. Oh, yeah. As soon as I get home, the fire's going so that the grill levels out and I'm smoking some ribs. And then burgers tomorrow. What time? What time? That's a good question. When you smoke food, you just don't know what time it is. You know, it is a time that we celebrate. And whether you're celebrating Memorial Day by remembering those who have served and sacrificed, or you're celebrating kind of the official, unofficial kickoff to summer, it is a celebration. And today we also celebrate Pentecost, when God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was poured out on His people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the great gift of your love for us. For the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out, Lord, on Pentecost is still poured out into our lives today, even, Lord, as we saw here for Phil, poured out in the waters of baptism. Bless us, Lord, as the Spirit fills us and shapes our lives and our faith. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, let's read a portion of our text. It was a shorter text for this morning on this Pentecost Sunday. We'll read together. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus was standing in the temple courtyard. He said loudly, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. As scripture says, Streams of living water will flow from deep within the person who believes in me. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, first let's put this in context. Jerusalem at this time was bursting with people. It was fall, and, and people had come from all over Israel. The Jews had come to celebrate one of the three big celebrations, one of their three big festivals that was part of their tradition. They had the Passover, which was an early spring, and then seven weeks later, they had the Feast of Weeks, and then in the fall, they had the Feast of Tabernacles. Or the feast sometimes is called booths. And that's what they're gathered to celebrate, is this feast of tabernacles. So imagine, again, Jerusalem is full of people. There's a lot of excitement. There's a week-long celebration. And now it's come to the last, the final day, the biggest day of the celebration. It's early in the morning. And once again, they practice the water ceremony. Because this feast of tabernacles was God's people remembering and celebrating how God had provided for them and for their ancestors who had wandered in the wilderness with Moses as they made their way to the promised land. And they lived in tents or tabernacles. The last greatest day of the feast, they're doing the water ceremony again. They go down to the pool of Siloam with a gold pitcher. They scoop out some water. They pour it out in the temple. And the people shout out and they sing these words of Isaiah 12. Let's say these words together. With joy, you will draw water from the springs of salvation. They were celebrating how God provided for them, how God had quenched their thirst. And with joy, how he promised to quench their thirst. And then, after this ceremony is done, Jesus stands up in the crowds in the temple, and he shouts out. We read these words just a few moments ago, but we're going to read them again. Read these words with me. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. As scripture says, streams of living water will flow from deep within the person who believes in me. Now, that's Jesus' words in a little more context. Jesus wasn't just spouting off some words. He says these words in the context where the people were celebrating the water ceremony, were celebrating how God had provided for them. And basically, Jesus is saying this. You think what God did for our ancestors long ago was amazing? You just wait. God is going to do something more amazing, something more spectacular than what you've ever seen before in your life. Something greater than what he did for our ancestors in the wilderness. He says, Come to me if you are thirsty, and I will quench your thirst. And you will never be thirsty again. I mean, Jesus says these words. I mean, really, what he's saying is this I'm God, and I'm going to quench your thirst. Come to me. It reminds us of a conversation that Jesus has with a woman at the well. It was part of our sermon series a little earlier in May, where Jesus meets the woman at the well, and and he asks her for a drink of water. And she has this conversation, and, and it says, you know, well, I can give you something to drink. She's like, you got no bucket to put down in this, you know, well to get water. He goes, the water I have that gives you a drink that will quench your thirst, will quench it forever. And, of course, he's not talking about physical thirst. Thinking about you know, thirst, have you ever been thirsty before? That's why you're shaking your head. Have you ever been really, really thirsty? You know, on those hot days when maybe, you know, you, if you went for a run, I know a lot of you wouldn't go for a run, but you went for a run or a bicycle ride, you know, and your tongue starts getting kind of dry, you know, you're working outside, you get really, really thirsty. You know, it's refreshing when you're really thirsty and you grab that, you know, cold glass of water or Coke, whatever you might grab, and it just kind of ah, quenches your thirst. You know, one of the things that I want to do on this Memorial Day weekend is I've been trying to get back into reading um, books for fun. I mean, I read a lot of books for like school and, and for professional reading, but I try to get back into reading just a fun book. And I, and I love some of the classical literature. So I got a book that I have checked out from the library. Okay, if I'm, a, if I'm really honest with you, I've rechecked this book out three times now? No, four times. And I, I, my plan is to start it today. I've had it for over a month or two. But you know, one of my favorite novels is a novel you might know by Melville named Moby Dick. Anyone know Moby Dick? Moby Dick, the story of this great big white well named Moby Dick and Captain Ahab, who is obsessed with this well. And if you know the story, you know, in Moby Dick, you know, the the well crashes into the boat and drags Captain Ahab down to his watery grave. What you may not know about Melville's story is that it is at least somewhat based on a true story. It's a true story. In 1820, the whaling ship Essex, just like in the story of Moby Dick, was ran by a great white whale and began to sink. And the captain and the crew climbed aboard three 25-foot-long rowboats. And there in the South Pacific, for 93 days... 93 days and the blazing hot sun. 93 days and they had diminished all of their supplies. They floated in that water, surrounded by water that could not in any way quench their thirst. After 93 days, they finally landed in South America. Nathaniel Philbrick, who writes about the Essex. Says that these sailors had entered into what's called cotton mouth phase of thirst. The cotton mouth phase of thirst is when your saliva becomes pasty thick, that is your throat is so parched it's hard to talk, and you even begin, you know, to lose your voice. That you have severe pain in in, in your head, in your your joints, as your body, you know, is dehydrated. And you think about those sailors who for 93 days in the blistering sun without water to quench their thirst. In many ways, it's like the world we live in where we long for something to refresh us, to quench us spiritually. And if we're honest, you know, we try in many different ways to quench our thirst, don't we? I mean, we try to do that through the gathering of things, you know, belongings, bigger stuff, more stuff. We try to do that by by being successful and having more money, more things behind our names. We do that through relationships. We do that through substances. And we find that none of that truly quenches our thirst, But we hear those words of Jesus again. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Jesus promises to quench our spiritual thirst. And in these words that we hear Jesus say, you know, 2,000 years ago, that he says to us today, Jesus is inviting us to quench our spiritual thirst with the good news. Jesus is inviting us. He's inviting you to quench your spiritual thirst with the good news. So what is this good news? I mean, the good news, and you might say, well, I know what the good news is. The good news, I mean, the good news is that there's a God who loves you. The good news is that God's kingdom has come in the flesh in Jesus Christ. The good news is that God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The good news that the God who created this universe loves you. The good news that even though we try to quench that spiritual thirst with the things of this world that it never satisfies The good news that though this word we call sin is a part of our lives, and that, that these sins, you know, that, that we, we struggle with, some are ongoing, you know, they're habitual, they're a practice for us. The good news that these sins don't hold on to us when our Savior is holding on to us in his love. That we are Forgiven. That our sins are not removed by our own efforts. You think of those sailors in the Essex, you know, you're know, 93 days of the sun, you know, how many times they might row, but it's not going to get them where they want to go. And we might try to row, might try to do our own thing, but we cannot get rid of our own sins. The good news that, again, this God of the universe loves you so much that he stepped into this world. Just 40 days ago, we celebrated You know, the Easter, 50 days ago we celebrated Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Jesus gave his life so that all of our sins are forgiven. That the debt is paid. That the promise of life, eternal life, someday, yes, forever with God, but life now, a relationship with our God in Jesus is something we have now. This morning, Jesus is inviting you, me, to quench our spiritual thirst with this good news of his love, of his presence, a promise of a relationship that is not built on our own efforts. It's not like we have to meet, you know, God halfway or a quarter of the way. No, God comes all the way to us in Jesus. Jesus comes to you right now in your life, wherever you are at. Whatever is going on in your life, Jesus comes to you. And the life that he lived and the life he gave on the cross and the life he took up again from the tomb guarantees his promise of love and forgiveness, guarantees that our relationship with him is dependent on what he has done for us. And the gift that he offers us of grace, mercy, and love. That's the good news. It's the good news for us, for our past, for our present, and for our future. As Jesus invites us to come to him, you know, here at Holy Savior, we talk about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. And as we grow in Jesus, part of growing in Jesus, you know, we, when we see this often, it's not just gaining head knowledge, head knowledge about Bible, you know, and, and things going around like the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, or the Feast of Weeks, which is the second festival we talked about, which also was Pentecost, by the way. Cool little head knowledge thing, bunny trail, you could go down there and chase that. And that head knowledge is good, but but growing in Jesus is more than just growing in more than just knowledge about the Bible, it's growing in that faith. And growing in faith is growing in that relationship we have with Him. And is sharing that love, the love that he pours out into our lives. For as he pours his love, as he quenches our thirst, he sends us out with that same life-giving water, the good news. So I'm going to give you a challenge as we officially enter the summer season. And the challenge is this. How will you rehydrate your faith this summer? ponder that for a moment. You know, what are the ways we rehydrate our faith? Well, if, if our faith is a relationship with Jesus, then it's working on, it's, it's living in that relationship with Jesus. So some of the ways we rehydrate our faith is we spend some time with Jesus. It's a great time to you know decide you're going to pick up that Bible and, 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 and read some scripture. Pick up the portals of prayer, that little tiny devotional book. You know, and, and say, this, this, this summer, I'm going to start, you know, every day with just reading the portals of prayer. I'm going to spend some quiet time away from everything, shut everything down. You know, take my phone, put it on, you know, do not disturb, turn it off, turn off the TV, and just spend some time reflecting on this truth. God loves me. God so loved me that he gave his one and only son. that we rehydrate we ourselves not only as we fill ourselves with the assurance and the confidence of His love for us, but also as we go out and we interact with those we meet this summer and we share the love that has been shared with us in Jesus. So maybe rather than saying this is a challenge, rather this is an invitation, I invite you to join me And what I hope to do this summer is rehydrate my faith, my relationship with Jesus. Because, like you, I get thirsty spiritually. Like you, I chase after things that don't really quench my thirst. And, like you, I need Jesus, the thirst quencher. I need his love, I need his presence. I invite you to join me this summer as we rehydrate our faith. Every time we gather here on Sunday morning, every time we gather together in small groups or on our own around his word, every time we celebrate his love, every time we share his love. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing love and grace for us. We give you thanks and praise for your spirit poured out into us and we pray, Lord, Lord, that this summer becomes an opportunity for us to rehydrate our faith. The Lord, even as we take time for some vacation, some travel, some, you know, different routines, that part of that summertime is a time to rehydrate ourselves with your love, with your grace, and your mercy. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.